0: Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book Outdoor Minimalist Waste Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave-no-trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In this week's episode of the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast, we're taking an inside look into what it takes to change product packaging design. This process likely looks different for every company, but today we get to learn from one company's experience as they move from plastic packaging to a more sustainable steel container. To break down what went into this process and how they landed on this packaging change, I had the pleasure of hosting Shannon O'Grady. Shannon has her PhD in nutritional physiology from the University of Utah and is the chief product officer at Gnarly Nutrition, a Salt Lake-based sports supplement company whose focus is to create a clean, natural, and effective supplement for active individuals. Her research in nutritional physiology and her own obsession with sports nutrition has made her a strong spokesperson in the space of nutrition for athletes of all disciplines. A mother of two and a competitive athlete herself, Shannon is continuously looking at the crossroads between training and nutrition for insights on improving performance, reducing injury, and increasing longevity. Supercharge your dog's mealtime with Neobytes functional dog food toppers. Neobytes unlocks the unique power of cricket protein to promote firm poops, a thick and shiny coat, and everyday vitality for your pup. With a powder format, these toppers can easily be mixed into existing foods to make mealtime more exciting. Cricut, a hypoallergenic and humane protein, is not only a better option for your pup, but it's better for the planet too, producing virtually no greenhouse gases and using fractions of the resources used by traditional proteins. Check out Neobytes products on Amazon and at eatneobytes.com. Use the discount code cricket 15 for 15% off your next order. And then use the code minimalist for 10% off every order after that. Thank you for joining me today, Shannon. I have been looking forward to learning from you, but before we get started into today's topic, can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in outdoor recreation and how it fits into your life now?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I am from the East coast originally, and I moved to Utah pretty much based on a trip I took in high school to ski with my father. The mountains, I fell in love with them immediately and I couldn't believe the access that you could get via Salt Lake City to so many amazing places. And as soon as I moved here, I quickly made outdoor recreation part of my lifestyle and was looking for a job that kind of combined my passions of sport, specifically being in the mountains and, and nutrition and, and gnarly nutrition does just that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love Salt Lake City and all of Utah. It's just so beautiful. Did you start with Gnarly Nutrition right when you moved there, or have you worked in other areas of the outdoor industry as well?
1: Um, I'd say Gnarly Nutrition is my first job in the outdoor industry. I worked in academia for a bit, so I did some postdoctorate work following graduate school and then was a research assistant professor at the U for a couple years and because I wanted to stay in Salt Lake with academia, you often have to move where jobs are available. And because I really wanted to stay and keep having that access, keep having you know mountains and outdoor recreation be part of my life, I was looking for jobs in other industries that would allow me to stay in the area. And dietary supplement industry is pretty big in Salt Lake. And so I took a job out of academia doing product development in that industry and then moved into kind of the quality side of dietary supplement manufacturing. So looking at uh, testing of dietary supplements and making sure that they comply with FDA regulations. And then it was about that time that I found Gnarly Nutrition.
0: yeah that's awesome i'm glad that you found something that kept you in the area and that you're passionate about that's really awesome
1: (laughs) yeah it's the ideal it's a good fit for me (laughs) for sure
0: and for listeners that don't know can you just explain what gnarly sports nutrition is and then also what your role is with them
1: sure so gnarly sports nutrition is really about providing clean efficacious and useful supplements for outdoor athletes. So that can be anyone from a runner to a mountain biker to a climber, anyone that uses their body and needs supplements to help both perform and recover. So we really work to make sure our products are tested to the highest quality, make sure, you know, what is on the label is actually what's in the label and that our products are contaminant free. And I am pretty much in charge of anything a product touches. So everything from product inception, so coming up with product ideas, looking at the science to really develop product formulas, managing product manufacturing and quality testing, looking at what packaging we wanna deliver our products in, and then all the way to you know product fulfillment and customer satisfaction. I also get to do some of education, some education for athletes and consumers, which is probably the most favorite that I do because I love teaching about science and about the ideas behind our leaf products.
0: That's a lot of different things to be working on all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Often people think we're bigger than we are. We're a pretty small company. And so we wear lots of hats. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. But I think the part of growing as a person, both in your life and in your career and in even your pastimes is, you know, continuously challenging yourself. So I'd say that having so many things to kind of be on top of and manage definitely challenges me. And I've learned a lot about Gnarly. And I Say what we're going to talk about today is a perfect example of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. The growth mindset applies to. A lot of different areas of your life. Yes. And some people listening might be wondering how gnarly nutrition fits into the outdoor minimalist. So we can kind of start to move into that. And can you talk about how your passion for sports nutrition and
1: other types of nutrition overlap with your passion for sustainability? Sure. Yeah. So sustainability and being environmentally minded has always been something that I personally think about or look with a critical eye at my own choices and my own habits and of course, because of that, you know, that will transfer over to any job that I have. I remember in early Gnarly days, and this is, you know, I started at Gnarly, I want to say like seven years ago, there wasn't any recycling in our building. And so I made Eli, our CEO, we would collect all the recycling from all the other businesses in our building and take it to our home recycling, you know, so things like that. It's always been something present in my mind. And for that reason, you know, it comes with me where I go. And for a long time, I've known about single plastic use and issues with single plastic use and how that leads to plastic pollution to microplastics in the ocean and what a big problem that is and was very aware that as a company we were contributing to that and so constantly looking for things that we could do to better ourselves and really where initial ideas came was looking at products in other industries that had a better recycling track record and trying to pull from those. So we knew we had a problem, but we also needed to make sure the solution helped maintain our product quality, both in terms of like contamination and delivery and user experience. And so that was really the challenge and why it took so long to find at least a first iteration of a solution.
0: Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Were those general observations the main, I guess, catalyst about why you decided to make the switch as a company or did you have other influences?
1: We had been talking about it internally for a while it was something we knew we wanted to do. But you know, I'll give high five props, whatever you want to say to gnarly customers as well. You know, I see a lot of our customer emails because I I manage our customer experience. And we had consistent emails from consumers asking us challenging us to come up with something better than plastic. And I think, you know, often there were ideas in there with like, Oh, can I just send my plastic tub back in and can you refill it? And I love ideas like that. And I think I encourage people to send ideas like that often people don't understand you know elements of manufacturing that would prohibit an idea like that or where quality comes in you know needing to sterilize containers prior to putting product back it, back in it or even like the need to have volume in order to make a process like that scalable but i think that's reaching out to companies you like and asking them for change is the start right And I can't say enough about our customers that emailed me or emailed Gnarly challenging us to move away from plastic. That was a big part of the catalyst as well.
0: Yeah, I feel like as a consumer, sometimes it can feel like that won't make a difference. But I have heard from several companies in the outdoor industry that that was one of the main players and why and when they decided to switch their packaging. So I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I can know that I want to switch our packaging, I still need to go to a board and get approval to do that. And there's nothing more powerful than letting them know that a large part of our consumer base is asking for that change. So yeah, I highly highly encourage people to reach out to companies that they love and and ask them to do better.
0: Yeah, so I feel like we kind of breezed over this and you mentioned it, but your old packaging was plastic. So could you talk a little bit more about that old packaging and what you now use as the alternative? Sure.
1: I mean, I think anybody kind of when they think of a protein supplement, they think of, you know, these large protein tubs. So they're HDPE. Ours were HDPE tubs. On top of that, they were colored HDPE. So we can talk a little bit more about the process of how we settled on moving to steel-plated tin. But I will say that I did not know that colored plastic has an even lower recyclability than white or clear plastic. That was something that was new to me. Like with anything, right? You have to collect a lot of information, do a lot of research. We wanted whatever first step, and I'm not gonna call it a solution because I don't ever think it's a solution unless you have you know, a truly circular packaging system, but we wanted our first step to be an actual step. I think a lot of what's done under the name of sustainability in many industries, not just the outdoor industry, but in many industries ends up being more greenwashing, you know, to on a surface level, make it look like you're doing what you should be doing when in reality you may not be doing much better. So we did a fair amount of research to try to make sure that the step we were going to take was actually going to be an improvement from where we were. And I started, I had a connection at TerraCycle, which is a company that basically has mail in recycling for packaging that is not like classically recyclable. So it's not something you could put in your curbside cycling program. And so these companies sign up and TerraCycle, I don't know exactly how it works, but consumers can send in products that are TerraCycle recyclable. And so I just reached out to them because I wanted to talk a little bit about plastic recyclability, about biodegradable packaging, right? Because those were on the front of my mind was either trying to find a biodegradable solution or using PCR, so post-consumer recycled plastic as our packaging. So it would still be in plastic, but at least it was coming from recycled plastic. And they had a lot to say about that. They're the ones who kind of let me know. They were like, well, what color plastic is your product in? I was like, oh, black. And they're like, that's probably the worst (laughs) because you can think of colored plastic. You know, they want plastic that they're recycling to be able to dye any color. So they want that base material, that base recycled material to be white or clear because then you can dye it to be any color you want. But if you add colored plastic to that base recycled material, it's like putting a drop of paint in white paint, right? It automatically, a drop of colored paint in white paint, it automatically then takes on the color of that colored paint. And it's not as usable for as many different potential projects. So colored plastic is recycled at an extremely low level, if it's recycled at all. White and clear plastic are recycled at a level of about 8%. So you can imagine colored plastic, it's pretty abysmal. So first thought was like, well, at the very least, I'm going to move our products to white or clear plastic, and that'll be a step in the right direction. On top of that, you know, we talked also a lot about whether or not biodegradable materials or compostable packaging materials really were a step in the right direction about the conditions that are necessary to actually get something to biodegrade with home compostable packaging you know, a lot of that packaging ends up leaving a significant amount of plastic in your home compost because only a certain percentage of it is actually compostable. And even then it takes a really long time. And then if you look at the materials that a lot of biodegradable and compostable packaging are made from, they're made from things like corn, which are, you know, monoculture crops and, you know, problems with that industry. So we really kind of talked through those and they didn't seem like the kind of forward step that we were hoping to make. So those discussions kind of brought a lot of light into my own knowledge about packaging materials and sustainability. The next step was I have a friend who's in the Department of Environmental Studies. Uh, It's a longer name, but it might be Environmental and Sustainability Studies at the University of Utah and I knew that she had an internship program. So I didn't have as much time as I would like to devote to the research that needed to be done into sustainable packaging materials. And so we brought on an intern from that department and he was tasked pretty much with just looking at all of these options with, you know, PCR plastics with biodegradable materials. And then we also tasked him with looking at metal to see whether or not they would work for our products and whether or not they would be a true step forward in packaging sustainability. And then we had him present those results. And it was pretty eye opening, I think, to our whole team not having biodegradable come out on top biodegradable packaging and not having compostable packaging because I think folks had assumed that those were the best solutions that we had today and both in terms of what I already discussed but also in terms of the impact on product quality because a lot of those materials are really porous to both oxygen and moisture and that over long term can lead to micro growth and really shortened product life and potentially safety concerns with consumers. So, you know, that was a third reason why those biodegradable and compostable packaging materials weren't going to be a solution for us.
0: That makes a lot of sense and that is a lot to go through and I think it's important for consumers to remember that like it is a process and there's a lot a lot of different aspects to consider. And what were some of the things I guess when you were after the presentation and you kept this discussion going, what stood out about the different metals and steel that you've landed on that
1: as the end result? Yeah, so I think it's funny the first time that we thought about metal, it was actually I had bought a beer from a brewery in Salt Lake called Ketos and their beers I don't even know what they're called, but when you pop, you know, it open, it's the actual entire lid that pulls off as opposed to that little like drinking spout. You know what i'm talking about yeah 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 so the whole lid pulled off and i remember having a beer one night and i sent a text to eli with a video and i was like if they made larger cans like this like this would work great for our products And that was kind of the first time we had talked about metal. And I think the high recyclability of aluminum has always been something I've been aware of. And so that was what got us interested. And then we started looking at what other products were in metal containers and what they looked like. And there are, Illy Coffee is in this really nice kind of metal, it's a steel, also tin-plated steel container that's pretty sturdy. And it has, The lid is a screw off lid, which is, I would love to be able to find something like that, but it has plastic integrated in the lid. So it's not totally plastic free. But we started looking at that, and that seemed like it would be a great solution that came in larger sizes. So trying to find the next thing we were doing was trying to find containers that look like ours, that seemed like, because for our line, you know, we have a range of sizes. We have products that are on the order of, let's say, 400 grams, which is a little bit more than a pound, to products that are you know a pound to two pounds and so we needed a range of sizes that would work and so i started google searching you know metal can manufacturers and calling around to different manufacturers and getting samples and that's when we got our first samples of tin plated steel and we're like oh this could work and then we looked at the recyclability of tin plated steel and it's recycled at a level of close to 70 percent in the u.s And it's, you know, you can recycle it in curbside bins. And on top of that, the majority, well, two thirds of new steel that's manufactured actually comes from recycled steel. So we also really appreciated that, that they were using recycled material to generate new steel, not using 100% virgin steel. So that was also great. So all of those things, plus the functionality, you know, we were looking for really made sense to us as the best solution.
0: One thing that I am kind of curious about just after hearing you kind of discuss some of those things is something I have heard about different types of packaging, especially glass. And then in some cases, different types of metals is that sometimes companies will opt not to use those because of the weight. So then I guess the carbon footprint could be higher because of shipping costs or things like that. So was that
1: a consideration for you guys as well? yeah we actually weighed them relative to our plastic containers and there was like negligible difference wow that's good (laughs) yeah it was really good because you know definitely carbon footprint, but also you know shipping cost is a big deal for a small company. So it was something that we looked at. There's definitely a bit of a difference in cost between the steel versus plastic. And we did raise our prices slightly, not to fully cover the cost, but to partially cover the cost. And so that was you know something that we announced to our consumers. And to be honest, most people were fine with it. Very small percentage of customers had an issue with it. So they took that in stride. And I think given the better sustainability profile of the container, they were willing to pay a bit more for it. That makes sense since your consumers were already kind of pushing for that change anyway,
0: that they would be on board for a price change to compensate.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say I'll say too to this, you know, being a pretty small company, we were not in a place where we could go to a manufacturer and work with a designer and say, this is what we want. You know, we've decided on this material and this is what we want our tins to look like. We are a small fish and are ordering at the minimum levels that our tin manufacturer makes these things for. So minimum order quantities. And so we really had to use designs that they already have available. And for that reason, I'd say there's a lot of improvements that we can make to the user experience. We've had some complaints, we've lost some customers who hate the user experience of the cans. And that's definitely been a learning experience for me because I was like, everybody will love them no matter what. It's okay that it's a different experience and it's okay that it might be a little harder because it's better for the environment. And and for that reason, people will you know deal with it. And you know, some people won't deal with it. I'll tell you that we've definitely lost some customers. But we've also gained some customers that, you know, have sought us out purely for the packaging. So that makes me feel good, too. Yeah, so hopefully
0: it kind of balances things out for you guys. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. (laughs) 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 With some of those things in mind, can you kind of walk us through what that design process was actually like and how you integrated that into your new production, especially since you're a smaller company, like you said, you didn't have a specific design team or something like that? Yeah,
1: I mean, so we have a design team for the graphics, but we were really stuck in terms of the actual tin and how it opens and the seal. We really had to go with what our steel tin manufacturer was already producing using for other consumers. So they had a few different lid options. And one of the things we need to think about is like how people use our products. For a lot of individuals, they just sit in a kitchen on a shelf and they take them out and they scoop out the product. But for some individuals, they put those cans or what used to be tubs in their gym bags and so, We also needed to make sure that no product was going to come out of the container if it was put in a bag with other things and thrown around. And so that's what really landed us on the lid that we have now. And it's really, for those of you that haven't seen the product or used the product, it's most similar to like a paint can. The lid is inset and you have to pry it open. It's really easy to grab a piece of tape and make a little tab so you don't actually have to use a knife or a spoon to pry it open, but the inset style lid really really prevents the product from leaking out when it's put in a bag or something of that nature. So we had a few decisions in terms of what the manufacturer was already using, but we were limited kind of in the choices we were given. The other piece of it was working with our supplement manufacturer, so the manufacturer that actually makes our products, to get the equipment necessary to put the powder into these new cans. So interestingly, the cans come with the seal and the lid on top. And you actually use what's called a can sealer to seal the bottom of the lid and that requires a piece of manufacturing equipment that our supplement manufacturer was willing to buy so we have a really close relationship with them i actually worked with them in a previous job where we all worked on a quality team they're in utah they're located you know within 20 minutes of our office And I'm there almost on a biweekly basis. So it was really great that they were willing to do that for us because it, you know, it was a huge step for us to take and for them to take their pretty small business as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes it does take having those
1: partnerships and knowing people to kind of make these changes possible. So that's awesome. It does. I mean, I think especially when you're small, you know, when the bigger you are and the more Mm -hmm. the higher percentage of another business's you know, income you're responsible for, the more they're willing to do for you. And so, you know, having those close relationships, you know, helps small companies, you know, when you're the small fish, so it can be a little harder. And
0: it sounds like those were some of the main, I guess, problem solving things that you had to go through. But were there any other major hurdles that you had to overcome during
1: this process? I'd say those were the major hurdles. I mean, we definitely worked a lot with our graphic designers to find a design for lack of a better word label it's not actually a label our graphics are printed directly on the steel tin and I think it came out really beautifully but we really wanted to highlight the metal to draw attention to the material we were using so it took a little bit of back and forth to find something that we all really liked but I think the end product turned out great.
0: Having the label printed directly on the metal the first time that I got the steel canister, I was surprised that it was on there, but I was really happy because then you didn't have to peel off a label to recycle
1: it or anything like that. Exactly. That was, that was part of the thought as well. One piece I hadn't thought about, which now I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't really think through that, but I hadn't really thought about the fact that the cans would be a little bit more fragile than the plastic. You know, when you hold them in your hand and when they're full of product, they don't feel like they would be dentable. But of course, shipping items (laughs) with carriers today that often throw boxes and when products are hitting against other products, cans dent pretty easily. And so I would say that it's been a lot of trial and error trying to figure out ways to insulate the cans with packing materials that are recyclable So it would be really easy for us to use bubble wrap (laughs) or to use some kind of like styrofoam around the cans to protect them but we have not done that and don't want to do that. And so working with materials that are recyclable to limit the damage that the cans can incur during shipment has definitely been a learning experience. And I finally feel like we're at a pretty good place, but we went through a lot of trial and error to get there. And I just, I hadn't really thought through that. That's not my forte packaging design and thinking through all of the potential, you know, outcomes and problems and hurdles. But now, whatever packaging we move to in the future, it's at the forefront of my brain because of that experience.
0: Yeah, now that you have one change under your belt, you can kind of integrate similar processes. So that's nice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I've heard from other small companies in the outdoor industry is that sometimes making those changes is a little bit easier for smaller companies instead of a larger, manufacturer, if that makes sense, just because there's a shorter supply chain, a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I mean, a shorter supply chain and fewer people to piss off, I guess. I mean, like Gnarly is part of the Prana Responsible Packaging Movement. Being part of that group has been really eye opening, both in terms of the resources shared, but also in terms of the stories told by other companies as far as their process for improving sustainability, but also for things that they're hoping to improve. And it seems like the more retailers you have, potentially the more negative feedback you get Also, the more retailers, the more negative feedback you have, the more regulations or rules they have around how products have to be packaged in order to ensure that the product is in good order for their displays. It just seems like there's a lot more red tape for larger companies because of that. Longer supply chain, but more on the providing end and less on the product manufacturing end. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes sense that there
0: would be more rules in place, just especially since a lot of times it spans into a lot of different product areas. Yes, Yeah. Since you kind of were talking about the general changes and how you could apply this process to the
1: future, are there any future packaging changes coming for Gnarly? Yeah. I mean, we have been thinking about, so we still have plastic scoops. They are clear, so, (laughs) and they are recyclable. So, you know, better than our colored plastic, but we still have plastic scoops in our products. We've polled our customers, and it's one of these things where half of the customers are like, "Yeah, get rid of the scoops. It's fine," and half of the customers are like, "No way, <laughs> we want our scoops." So, trying to find a replacement for plastic scoops that would work, our serving sizes vary greatly. So it's not as simple as finding, you know, a single scoop. We need to find scoops in varying sizes. And some of them really small sizes (laughs) that would work. And also trying to find the material that would make the most sense. So we're thinking through that. You know, if we could remove the scoops, you know, one of the things we're thinking about is completely remove the plastic scoops but then make it an optional free add-in for consumers that do want the plastic scoop, then at least we'd be in a place where we were cutting down on the number of plastic scoops we were using. So we're just kind of brainstorming about ways to make all of our customers happy and to make sure that they're getting what they need to use the product efficiently or you know, in a way that works for them.
0: And you also have the hydration powders, right? The packaging for that
1: is... Yeah. So it is in recyclable plastic bags. Two years ago, we moved from... So most stand-up food pouches are composites of a couple different materials. And because of that, they're not recyclable. And the reason why they're composites is because food and dietary supplement powders need to be protected, as I mentioned earlier, from air and from moisture so that you don't get microbe growth in the product itself. And so the onset of kind of a recyclable material that still had those barrier properties has been relatively recent. And so we switched over, I want to say it's been about a year and a half now to that recyclable plastic. So it's drop off recyclable, so not acceptable in curbside recycling programs, but you go to a store. So Smith's or Kroger has big bins at the front of their store where you can drop off these bags and then recycle them. So that's not ideal but that this is one of those cases where there is not a better solution at the moment so i already talked about the problems with biodegradable or compostable materials and so that's not both in terms of sustainability and in terms of product safety that that's not a direction we want to go so right now we're sticking with the drop-off recyclable plastic And really hoping that we see a better option, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you'll eventually get to that point, but you can't really make all of the changes right now.
1: Yeah. The other thing, you know, that we're looking at is a lot of the, for lack of a better word, accessories. So whether they're like Nalgene bottles or T-shirts or, you know, we get those from other manufacturers and they always come in plastic. So working with the companies that we source those from to see if we can cut down on, you know, the plastic that's used or or pressure them, you know, in a polite way, the same way our customers did to try to move to something that's more sustainable. Yep. I have heard that a lot
0: with shipping, especially with apparel, that it will be wrapped in a plastic. So yep. that's a hard one to
1: overcome, but <laughs> I wish you luck. <laughs> yeah. So Prana started using what's called glassine bags. Have you ever heard of those or... or- Yeah. And that seems to be, I see more and more companies moving towards that. And I'm not sure what the price comparison is. I'm sure the plastic is cheaper. I don't know how much more the glassine is. But as I see that being accepted by more and more companies, I'm hoping it becomes commonplace.
0: Yeah. Prana is a part of the plastic impact alliance, right?
1: Yes, they are.
0: Yeah. I think I remember reading about that because of that alliance and wanting to switch more
1: away from plastic. So that's good. Yeah, they've done a great job with the responsible packaging movement, which I talked about earlier, really bringing together companies that are trying to make improvements and sharing resources. So, as opposed to it being this kind of competitive space, like we all want to get better together. Mm-hmm. It's been a great thing to be a part of.
0: That's awesome. And I'll be sure to share links to a lot of the different things that Shannon has talked about, along with things like the Plastic Impact Alliance, in case people want to check that out in the show notes. But how can people learn more about your work and check out some of Gnarly's products?
1: Yeah, so you can go to gonarly.com. If you want to learn more about our sustainability path, you can click learn in the top menu and you'll see a sustainability choice and it kind of talks all about the process we went through and the reasons why we decided to go with steel packaging but all of our products are on the website and you can also always email me at shannongonarly.com if you have any questions or any thoughts on how we can improve on our path to sustainability
0: wonderful well thank you so much for sharing all of that information it was great having you as a guest
1: yeah thanks so much for having me Megan. i really appreciate it
0: thanks for listening and if you like what you hear let me know Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with a shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.